you are Locked On Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hail you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso, and the central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball five days a week. And on this show, I want to talk about media access this year, among other things regarding Mizzou football. So far, it seems like access is actually better under Eli Drinkwitz than it was under Barry Odom. Certainly better than it was in the 2020 season, this coming football campaign. But still leaves a lot to be desired compared to to the Gary Pinkle era. I do believe something is very much lost there, something that Eli Drinkwitz could reconsider, in my humble opinion. But before we get there, I do want to remind you that this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. And if you're a Power Mizzou subscriber, well, just a few minutes ago, you were treated to Gabe DeArmond's latest speculations and reporting revolving around the Missouri search for a new athletic director. And of course, that's a premium subscription, so I'm not going to step on all the names that Gabe went into there. But to me, the important takeaway is that Missouri is swinging big right now, meaning Quite simply, they're going for a sitting Power 5 athletic director. That's where they're first headed. And even more importantly, the word on the street is, the scuttlebutt is that Missouri is likely offering somewhere between $1 million and $1.5 million per, per year in annual salary. And just to compare that to what Jim Sterk was making, he got about $700,000 a year. So obviously a big step up here by the athletic department swinging for the fences. I like it. If you're going to get rid of Jim Sterk at this time in sort of a, I don't know, maybe a semi-awkward time right before football practice is about to get underway, well, you better be doing it for a good reason. You can't just, you know, pussyfoot around as as it were. You got to go for it. So good for the athletic department. How this all plays out I have absolutely no idea and frankly I'm not sure anybody does at this point I wouldn't be surprised if there's a name that hasn't been discussed really by anybody who ends up getting hired or it could be somebody like Ren Baker who was the interim athletic director for Missouri at one point maybe he could end up being the guy as well we'll just have to see now once again football practice starts on Friday and that will be one of seven practices that are at least partially open to the media. And if you listen to the Mizzou football beat, they're going, hey, we'll take it. We'll take what we can get at this point, especially considering that they basically had no access, at least in-person access, to any of the coaches or players for basically all of the 2020 campaign. COVID-19, we all know what happened last season. So while the people on the Mizzou beat are saying, hey, not bad, relatively speaking, it's still nothing compared to what we got during the Gary Pinkle era. Especially, I can remember, people can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I can specifically remember starting with the 2007 season, Dave Matter in particular, and then later David Morrison for the Columbia Tribune, 
were allowed to be at every single practice, and they put in detailed reporting in the newspaper, online, in their blogs, even more specifically, every single practice. And as a Mizzou football fan, I absolutely ate all that stuff up. And I know I'm not alone here because at the time, everybody on the message boards was praising Dave Matter. And again, later David Morrison for just their, frankly, exquisite reporting on the team in practice. But it just hasn't been the same since. And it's not Dave Matter's fault. Dave Matter's still a good reporter. He just doesn't have the access that he used to. No one does. And to me, while on some level I get it, yes, you want to have some level of secrecy as a football team, as a football program, I get it. Injury-wise, I question how much that stuff really matters. If it's the starting quarterback, okay, fine. You want to keep some secrecy there. That might actually impact the, the, the opposition's ability to prepare. But when it comes to most things, outside of not reporting on the team's trick plays, like, hey, if there's some fake punt that they've put in for game week, yeah, we don't want you telling, giving any details on the fake punt. Fine and dandy. That part I get. There's a gentleman's agreement there that I think is quite easy to maintain. But to me, again, it just got me so hyped. All these details, how, how valuable or predictive they were, I can't even say for sure. I didn't do a scientific study on it. But what I do know from an emotional perspective, it just makes you so much more excited for the season, getting a feel for how practice is going, which players are standing out, And I think that's something that is actually lost. Now, don't get me wrong, long-term, all that's going to matter is if Eli Drinkwitz puts wins on the board, a lot more wins than losses. If he does that, nobody will care. But still, I do like to talk about the little things, and to me, this is more than just a tiny thing for sure. It's It's about getting your fan base hyped during this month, this crucial month right before the season. What's wrong with that? To me, the competitive advantage that is lost is mostly fantasy to me. I just don't really see how this would hurt Missouri. Because again, you think about that era I'm talking about, those were some of the most successful seasons in Mizzou football history. 07, 08, 2010, even into 2013. I think by 2013, to be fair, I think this access had tailed off quite a bit. But regardless... It didn't hurt those great 07, 08, or 2010 teams. So, again, if you're Eli Drinkwitz, maybe take another look at that. And speaking of somebody who's getting another look this fall, Drew Locke might well be the Denver, Denver Broncos starting quarterback. Once again, frankly, the Aaron Rodgers thing, I've mentioned this before, the rumors that he was trying to get out of Green Bay, well, not even the rumors, just the explicit statement by Aaron Rodgers that he wanted out of Green Bay well I think Green I think Denver obviously one of the biggest suitors potentially for Rodgers but now with him reporting to Green Bay well that opened up an opportunity for Drew Locke in my opinion if that whole situation didn't unfold on draft day I think there's a chance that perhaps the Broncos take a quarterback notably Justin Fields from Ohio State but instead if you look at BetOnline.ag right now. Drew Locke, a minus 175 favorite to start. Teddy Bridgewater, plus 135, a slight underdog. So Locke looking like the favorite at this moment. And frankly, that makes a lot of sense. If, if it's close, 
I would say if it's close between Locke and Bridgewater, it's one of those things. Ty should probably go to the runner being Drew Locke in this case. Ty should go to the younger guy that you've got one more year to look at before you have to potentially make a decision on extending him, letting him go, whatever it might be. Basically, this is a sink or swim season for Drew Locke. If you're Denver, you're probably not looking at a Super Bowl anyway, so why not give it a shot? But hey, if that bet interests you at all, definitely go to betonline.ag today. And when you do, sign up, use the promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus on whatever you buy in for. That's right, a 50% welcome bonus when you use the promo code Locked On at Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts well just a couple weeks ago I had planned on sharing more interesting quotes and moments from SEC media days but you know what the best laid plans get blown up sometimes and certainly Oklahoma and Texas blew up the entire news cycle quite successfully and I had to go along for the ride and talk about that much more so you know what Let's circle back, as Jen Psaki likes to say, and get to some of these moments from SEC media days. And one of the more interesting people, of course, is Mike Leach, who says, of course, Mississippi State coach Mike Leach, he says that a 12-team playoff is a huge step, but, quote, it's never enough, and he actually favors a 64-team field. Wow, 64. I mean, how is that? How, do, how would that even work? I'm just confused. It almost seems like if that were to work, you'd have to go backwards and create smaller conferences or divisions, maybe play seven, eight games. And hey, if you win your division, you're on to the 64 team playoff. But other than that, I don't totally understand how that one would work out. But clearly, my favorite moment with Mike Leach at the lectern was him suggesting that all the money that college athletes are now getting from name, image, and likeness essentially be put into some sort of fund or account that the money of which they'll only get if and when they graduate from school. Well, that's that's quite the radical proposal to me and creates probably more problems than it actually solves. Again, from my perspective, it's much easier to just let kids sell a, sell a autograph, for instance, than, I don't know, create this whole new administrative state in college sports. I, I don't know. That seems like a really bizarre idea that he hasn't fully thought through. And, and speaking of thoughts that I'm not sure he's completely thought through, he also said it's going to be negative if NIL ends up creating bidding wars that will definitely hurt football. Well, shout out to Dave Matter, who tweeted out, for the sake of context, Leach confirmed today that he talked to Tennessee during its head coaching search in 2017. Instead, he signed a five-year, $20 million extension at Washington State. Was that a bidding war? Bidding skirmish? Well played, Dave. Well played. But really, in Missouri, we'd call it a bidding showdown I do believe I believe that's the preferred euphemism but hey Mike Leach has a college degree so he gets to create all of the bidding showdowns that he wants and by the way according to Texas A&M coach Jimbo Fisher a lot of people have been doing name image and likeness for a long time they just weren't telling anybody 
Again, well put there, Jimbo Fisher. I'm sure he speaks from experience, let's be honest. And, and finally, I did think something Nick Saban said was pretty interesting. He said that a few years ago they brought some changes to their strength and conditioning program, brought some NFL teams into, con- into consult, and basically the, the Alabama Crimson Tide, their strength and conditioning has focused less on powerlifting and sort of more into different types of exercises and actually taking analytics and putting them into injury prevention and strength training. Basically, and it's, so far it's been successful. Saban said soft, tid, soft tissue injuries excuse me, were down about 50% last season and that, quote, technology has been instrumental in seeing that progress. So obviously Alabama has the money to experiment with this kind of stuff, but honestly this is good news for all of football, all of athletes. The more progress that takes place here, Heck, if, yeah, if we can just figure out the hey, just a little bit less power lifting, maybe a little bit more, I don't know, hot yoga or something or stretching instead, if that can bring injuries down big time, well, that's great for everybody. It's great for fans. Obviously, it's great for the players, the kids, the athletes. So this is good news in my opinion and definitely what progress looks like. And coming up in this final segment, I do want to go off topic just a little bit from my usual Mizzou talk and get into the Olympics just a bit because there's been a lot of reactions to Simone Biles and USA Hoops that have bothered me and it might not be for the reasons that you're expecting. So I do want to use my final segment here if you'll indulge me on that topic but first I do want to tell you about our title sponsor which is rockauto.com and I'm going to let all of you in on a little secret those local auto parts stores they're ripping you off man come on come on what are we doing here well here's the deal i have a solution i'm gonna save you money right now because the next time you need an auto part anything from gosh a a, a tail lamps motor oil new carpet for your interior, whatever it is, go to rockauto.com. You'll find exactly what you need at their easy-to-navigate website, and I promise you, you're going to love the prices because there's no reason to spend 30% or 50% more for the same parts that the dealership is paying for. You're going to get the best prices all the time at Rock Auto. So once again, go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car, truck, and right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably, low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com So when the original Dream Team came about and won the gold medal in 1992 in Barcelona. I was nine years old, so I was the absolute perfect age to buy into all of the emotion and the propaganda surrounding Team USA, Dream Team, all that good stuff. So from there on, I was basically in. Unfortunately, in 2004, things went a bit awry for Team USA. They only got the bronze medal that year, and Gosh, you would, have, you would have thought that was one of the worst things that's ever happened in the history of basketball. My God, they actually lost two games. What an absolute catastrophe. Well, what's funny is you go back and look at that Argentina 
squad that won the gold medal. You're talking Manu Ginobili and a host of really solid NBA players. So maybe not as shocking in retrospect, but if you've happened to notice that this season it seems like there's an a decent amount of Americans who are rooting against Team USA basketball. Well, you're not wrong, number one, but if you're a little bit younger than I am, you might be you might not realize that this isn't that new of a concept because after that 2004 disappointment with the bronze medal, well, I still remember the Redeem team from 2008. Well, I happened to be living in Chicago at the time, standing around a bunch of dudes down in the trading pits all the time, and most of them were older guys. I was on the younger side down the pits, without a doubt. In fact, I probably was the youngest guy down there at the time. So a lot of these guys in their 50s and 60s, I couldn't help but notice that they were really not into USA basketball. In fact, they were kind of openly rooting against USA hoops. Now, these are guys that would tell you that they're patriotic Americans, I'm sure, but somehow when it came to USA hoops, they were just turned off for whatever reason. Now, again, I, as the child of the Dream Team era, found this to be really sort of bizarre and off-putting and frankly had the stench of a little bit of racism quite possibly too but ultimately I think what I realized at the time eventually the more I thought about it is that it wasn't so much a racism thing or anything like that it was just because the dream team had set set such an incredibly high standard and then the next two Olympic squads also ended up bringing home the gold medals as well, the 04 squad was just seen as it was like there's this huge entitlement among American basketball fans that, oh my God, well, if we don't, we're, we're all Ricky Bobby's dad when it comes to USA basketball. If you're not first, you're last. And frankly, that's an absurd notion. I think 2004 was also just a rough time for NBA basketball. Just the sport itself wasn't in a great place. A lot of playoff games, finals games, were in the 70s and 80s. The product was overly physical, just just not the greatest, most entertaining time for the NBA, for sure. You're talking a post-Michael Jordan era. This was definitely still a league that was searching for its next true, likable superstar. But now, in 2021, despite the fact that the actual product on the court again, in spite of instant replay, which drives me insane, but overall the product on the court for the NBA, and I say this as a guy who's been a fan for decades, is much better in 2021 than it was back in 2004. So now what's weird is the people who are turned off by the product, it's much more, or just by USA basketball rooting for them, it's much more of a political thing now. It's like, oh my gosh, well, these NBA guys, they just, they're too political now, blah, blah, blah. And on a certain level, I have some sympathy for this because sports is supposed to be just an emotional experience, a, an irrational emotional experience, by the way. And it's supposed to be, most importantly, an escape. And an escape from the real world, from politics, which has become such a huge part of our world, seemingly, with each passing year. So while on some level I'm I am sympathetic to that take. Well, here's the deal. A lot of these people are mad at USA Basketball. It seems like they're mostly mad at LeBron James specifically. Well, guys, LeBron isn't on the team. 
I don't know if you've actually looked at the roster, but I'm trying to figure out what Devin Booker said that was so outspoken that somehow you can't watch basketball now or somehow he needs to be painted with the stain of what one person in the league said that upset you. And by the way, as I describe that, doesn't that make you sound a little bit fragile that one person said something that you didn't like and you're like, well, screw everybody else on this team then, even though, again, LeBron James, not on the team, everybody. Mostly it just upsets me when I see people who clearly don't actually watch the games or celebrate when Team USA wins. Well, when they lose, suddenly the loser brigade out is out and celebrating in the streets or acting like, oh, they've let down America or something like that. To me, that's a ridiculous notion. These guys don't actually owe America anything. And if you're Kevin Durant, for instance, what does he need this for? The guy's had tons of soft tissue injuries in the last year. He came off, he sat out the entire previous season after tearing his Achilles tendon. He's already got two gold medals. What does he even need to be here for? So you're telling me that if he puts in all this effort, shows up for his country, as you like to say, and they only get the silver, what, he's, he's, a, he's a loser now and he's let down the country? And you know what? The Simone Biles thing is much the same deal. People who are acting like, oh, well, she let down the country or something. I'm going, wait a second. What did she owe me? What did she owe any of us? Maybe you could argue she let down her teammates a little bit, but even then, they seem to be actually fairly cool with her decision. And by the way, I'll say this about Simone Biles sort of having a bit of a, I don't know, a mental issue I guess that made her essentially scared to go out there and and perform well I I, honestly I could say if, if she was a ping pong player I would have a different thought about that but as somebody who has never been a gymnast I don't know what it's like to have to jump in the air especially on a balance beam or something have to do a bunch of flips on top of it or whatever it's one of those things that I'm sure Simone Biles has been doing it so long since she's a little girl, she probably never really thinks about it. Until apparently the last week or so, something got up in her head. And suddenly this thing of doing these crazy flips and twists in midair, this thing that was so natural to her for her entire life, suddenly she's questioning it. Well, I could see why if you were doing that, suddenly you're getting up in your head, that could freak you out. You'd be worried about, I don't know, landing wrong breaking a leg or something that that's the, the stuff that she does athletically is insane and actually again quite dangerous on a certain level especially if you don't have 100 percent of your confidence so to me I, I just felt bad for her that that happened in that moment I did have definite sympathy for her now on the other hand I will say there is a bit of an overreaction the other way there is there's an overreaction of the people who are saying oh well She's, she's a, she let down America. She let everybody down. To me, that's an overreaction. But then it's also an overreaction the other way to make her into, say, a hero for this, for instance. Again, this isn't me criticizing Simone Biles. I'm not saying she's a bad person. Once again, I don't think she owes me or America anything. But I just like to save the term hero for really special people. For people who put their bodies on the line, for instance, to to save other people. 
that's an act of heroism. Firefighters who rush into a burning building, that's heroism. That kind of thing. So while I don't have any criticisms of Simone Biles, let's maybe pump the brakes on that one. At the same time, once again, let's try to have a little bit of sympathy for the young lady here. Here's a gal who, again, she's one of the great gymnasts of all time as far as any of us can tell. Let's not just turn everybody into Ricky Bobby's dad so that, if well, if you don't win everything, if you're not Jack Tatum and pushing through and being the toughest person of all time, well, back in my day, again, unless you've jumped off a balance beam and done three backflips in the air, I don't really want to hear from you on this particular topic. That's just me. So that'll do it for this edition of Locked On Mizzou. Before I get out of here, I want to remind you to definitely check out the new Locked On Bets podcast with your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. They give you daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favored, lock of the day. It's all there for you. Locked On Bets, followed, follow it wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Odyssey, etc. Again, brought to you by betonline.ag. Follow Locked on Bets wherever you get your podcasts. So until next time, I am John Miller, and this has been Locked on Mizzou.